everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Wilsh, your host, and I've been really looking forward to this show. I've got a very busy guy on the show tonight. He's got a lot going on, and luckily, he carved out some time for tonight's show. And again, I am grateful for that. And uh, I hope to ask a lot of really interesting questions. I have a lot of them on my own. I want to say I feel like I almost made a mistake last week when I said, hey, send your questions in. I got so many of them. Uh, Tons of questions came in through emails, and I really do appreciate that. If I can't get to your question, uh, uh, I'm going to ask questions that fit. That's how I'll put it as I go along. But if I can't get to the questions that you sent in, then um, it doesn't mean that your question was not good. And you will have, if you're watching live, you'll have the last half hour where you can actually call in. We're taking calls. I expect the phones to be busy. So um, we'll post that number right at the half hour at the end. Um, This week we have uh, Charles Lear, our blogger, is taking the week off. He's been pretty busy too working on his book. It's almost done. So I wrote an opinion piece and it kind of has to do with our guest this evening. He's very involved in the topic. Um, I don't know if you call it a blog or just an opinion. And the title of it's the UFO world since December 16th, 2017. I kind of go into where uh, us in the UFO field, we're paying attention to to the stars when they came out in October. We listened to what happened then. We thought it was really fascinating, but the buzz kind of died down. And then December 16th, 2017 of the same year happened. And since then, it's been a different world. So that opinion piece or blog, whatever you want to call it, is right on our website, podcastufo.com. Check it out over there. Uh, you can support the show for $2 or more a month. All that information is there. We're on Facebook and all that. I didn't want to waste a lot of time talking tonight, so I'm going to bring our guest right in. And here he is. Welcome to the show, Lou. Hi, Martin. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you to uh, your listeners as well for uh, for spending some time with us this evening. Yes, and like I said, boy, did the questions ever come in. <laughs> so um, I do get a lot of new people. I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time um, like introducing you. You've just been so much in the news and, and – uh, in the public so much. So we don't really have to go into that, but I will ask questions along those lines as we go along here. But um, I guess the, the uh, question I'll start off the back uh, right off the bat with is uh, how are things going today for you as far as the movement, the movement forward, I would say. Uh, okay. Uh, I thought you were going to ask me how I'm doing personally today. As a <laughs> um, I'm, I'm no. usually, that question I'm, I'm pretty tired um yeah but as far as uh you know the movement um you know i i don't think we could ask for for any more um when i you know it's funny you mentioned this and, and you you say say a movement i think a lot of people would would resonate with that where before it was um it was a, as earnest it was an earnest study into into the topic of uaps or ufos i, I think we're witnessing something something more than that now um, I think maybe we are, we have crossed crossed the threshold into something far more dynamic, uh, and and perhaps far more influential. Uh, we are we are indeed to some degree, I guess, a, guess a movement. Uh, a movement can inform and can also influence, and I think you're seeing that right now with with the help of you and and folks such as your listeners who are getting engaged. Some of these folks may be the first time they've ever really taken the topic seriously, but uh, you know it it is making a difference. You know. I've, have Congress uh, involved and you have the Department of Defense involved and you have the intelligence community involved. Uh, you have a lot of former senior and current senior members of our government now involved. And, and yes, I, I think that's, I think that's a good way to 
put it, movement. Um, as far as how the movement is doing today, uh, I, I think it's 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 doing quite well. I think it's it's quite healthy, and I think every day this this movement continues to to grow and grow. Right. Um, you know, going all the way back to like the 1940s, we were observing as a country and as the Air Force as well um, has been observing these objects not really that much different from what people are reporting today. Um, you know, I mean, I remember reading something back and I believe in the 1950s, I may be wrong, where there was a radar uh, reflection of something like 22,000 miles an hour of an object that stopped suddenly or something like that over Canada, maybe. Right? But anyway, so these things have been going along all this time. And I've mentioned a number of times, a number of times in the show that I think the government knows something's going on, but they, they don't know what it is. And do you think we're closer to knowing what it is than in the 1940s? Uh, Boy, that's a loaded question. I, you know, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't answer that. Um, <laughs> here's my 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 thoughts. Um, I'm not sure we're closer to knowing what it is, but I do think we are potentially closer to understanding some of the physics involved. Um, when I was part of the ATIP program, our focus was really very simple: what was it, and how does it work. And I've said before, probably my greatest frustration is that we really still at the end of all those years didn't really know what it was. Uh, but, you know, on the bright side, we were able to to begin to peel away a little bit of the onion uh, with with the five observables and then uh, be able to to look at some of the new models in, in quantum physics and, and mathematical formulas. And it appears that, uh, you know, that 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 science, uh, what we thought was so far off. Uh, and our understanding really isn't maybe quite that far away. And I think for me, that that was that was uh, probably one of the, the, the greater accomplishments. And, and, and let me preface this by saying um, it's not that we invented new physics. Um, physics, you don't invent physics. What you do right. is, is, is gain a better understanding of existing physics. And I think I think that's what we were we were able to do to some degree is be able to, now that we have a, a little bit better understanding with some of our observations in quantum physics, be able to start developing models um, to see if, if they fit. And, and it turns out that, that, that some of them do. I remember I had um, Dr. Seth Shostak from the SETI program on the show. I had him on three times so far, but one of the times I said to him, you know, uh, because he was going on and on about the amount of energy that um, we would need to travel from another star system to us if that's what is happening and so i mentioned something to him like what if there's physics that we haven't discovered yet that'll make that possible and he kind of like brushed it off do you think that there and, and this is seems like kind of the way you might be going you're not actually saying that they're extraterrestrial and you know for sure whatever it's all speculation but do you think that's what it is? It's just more physics to be uncovered to make star travel actually possible. And do you think that we will ever advance to that? You know, I, 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 I do. And, and no disrespect to Mr. Shostak uh, from SETI. Um, but let's face it, in, in the end of the uh, 1800s, the U.S. Patent Office made a declaration that uh, within a few years, there would be no more need for a U.S. Patent Office because everything that could be possibly invented will have been invented by then. Um, clearly that was a very short sighted <laughs> statement and, and vision by, by the U S patent office. 
And I think the same holds true. We are we are a very pioneering species, and every day we're coming up with new, clever, innovative ways to to uh, to 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 live and perform in our environment. And every day we're learning something something revolutionary in the way of science. And for us to think that that space time, in order for us to go to point A to point B, has to be some sort of linear function. Um, you know, we're, we're beginning to realize that that's not necessarily the case. Um, quantum physics shows that uh, space, in, to some degree, is rather irrelevant, um, and, and maybe even time to some degree. Uh, when you look at, uh, at notions such as, at, such as quantum entanglement, something is going on, this, this spooky action from a distance, if you will, where things are able to, to communicate with things, if you want to call it communication, act upon other things, where uh, distance doesn't seem to be a factor. Um, it's, it's happening instantaneously and across the vastness of the universe. And so I, I, think, um, I think we need to be very careful. Anytime we, 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 we shrug off the notion that there's uh, uh, new physics to be discovered, if you will, um, you know, I, I, I think that's short-sighted because one thing we've learned over and over again through time is that we haven't learned everything yet. Um, and, and what we are seeing is real, whatever it is. So therefore, something or someone uh, has, uh, has been able to master uh, uh, a particular part of physics that we, we don't quite yet understand. I mean, that's, that's, that's evident. When um, the pyramid, you must have heard, I know you've heard of the pyramid video, what it's called, the pyramid video that was released. And it's, it's, I think it's been thoroughly debunked as not, not a purpose, uh, purposeful hoax in any way, but the fact that the iris or um, the camera lens itself is the cause for those pyramid shapes and things like that. Uh, uh, did, did you, I, I believe I heard you say when that first came out, you, you weren't aware of any, you know, debunking going on. Did you think that was, uh, I know the Navy admitted it was a, a real video, but they didn't say anything about the objects. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I, 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 I'm not a, a debunker. Um, I, I prefer analysis. Uh, debunking yes. means, you know, trying to go out, if you will, and purposely prove something is a fraud or a fake. Um, I, I don't go into any situation with that in mind. I go into a situation to try, at least I try to be as open-minded as possible and, and let the facts and data speak for itself and, and conduct analysis. And if at the end of that, ana of, of that analysis, it turns out there's a, a very fair-minded rational explanation for something, then that's usually what, what I, I tend to go with. Um, in this particular case, we don't know all the details yet. Um, it's it's very easy to to make a premature decision one way or the other that it's a if you will a bouquet effect or it's something else. Uh, but we do know the fact that it is a, a valid U.S. Navy video that was taken by Navy equipment. What we don't know is the circumstances yet. What we don't know is were there other cameras on site uh, at that time looking at the same object from different perspectives yet. We don't know what the audio is yet, and we don't know what the radar data is yet, and we don't know what the, what the, uh, for example, um, you know, a lot of these aircraft will will squawk. They have transponders on there, and and we don't know yet uh, uh, really any of those details. So, I I think it's tempting um, to 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 go down a path, you know, say oh that's that's clearly uh, uh, the an artifact of a lens because it's it's closing in a triangular aperture and that's what you're seeing, and that may very well be the case. But but I think we have to be cautious not to 
not to jump to that conclusion, just like we don't want to jump to the same conclusion that it's some sort of uh, alien or interdimensional uh, triangular vehicle. Um, we yeah. just simply don't have enough data yet. And I, I do appreciate people's passion and enthusiasm. I, I do appreciate uh, their, their wants and desires to figure it out because I'm in the same, same boat. But I also like to caution people you know, try to avoid jumping to conclusions prematurely. Uh, at the end of the day, they may be absolutely correct, but I, I, I think I think there's more. I think there's more that needs to be said uh, and learned about uh, about that particular incident. So I I don't have a comment yet, uh, Martin. I, I you know I think there's a lot of things it could be, and uh, I think I, th- I think we still need to have have more data on the table before we can start ruling things out. I know that. Well, I don't know for a hundred percent if this is the case or not, but that might've been filmed through an iPhone through a lens. That's, um, and, and, you know, I haven't, I don't have any of that information right in front of me, but that's what, that's what I recall in that particular case. Now you and I met in at Cherry Hill, um, during the MUFON event. And you and I talked for maybe 25, 30 minutes, something like that. And I realized afterwards, we never talked about UFOs. (laughs) We talked about, uh, collecting Civil War muskets and things like that and all kinds mm-hmm. of things because that's kind of the field that I'm in. So anyway, it was really, uh, really nice talking to you. Now, I gotta, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's only because I hear it said a lot, and, and I do agree with one part of it, and that is, and I just want an answer from you, you would make an excellent disinformation officer if you wanted to be one. How many times sure. have you heard that? You're all charming. the time. I mean, You're I'd also charming. make an excellent garbage man. I'd make an excellent auto mechanic. I'd make an excellent roofer okay. and construction worker. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've had a lot of jobs in my life where I've learned certain skills and expertise. You know, um, but one thing for sure is you don't conduct disinformation on your own people. Okay, there's something called intelligence oversight. There's something called Executive Order One Two Triple Three. There's something called DoD Directive Fifty Two Forty Dot One that expressly makes it illegal to use those type of tactics, techniques, and procedures against the American people. There was a time in the 1960s we did that as an intelligence community, as, 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 a, as a defense community. And, and it got a lot of people into trouble. We were doing bad things. We were spying on, on student bodies and student unions for protests and, and really doing a lot of things we shouldn't, have been, we shouldn't have been doing at the time. And so laws were passed to make sure that doesn't happen. And I will tell you, there is a, a, a rigorous body of lawyers at the Department of Defense and the intelligence community that are just waiting to sink their teeth into to someone like me if I were to be conducting disinformation uh, efforts on, on the American people. Um, you know, could I do it? Sure, you could do it. I mean, you could be doing it right now. There's plenty of people in the UFO community right now that are conducting disinformation operations against against us. Uh, but they're not former federal employees. And for me, um, you know, I, I, I took that oath very seriously. Uh, yeah, there in the world of counterintelligence, there's a lot of what we call denial and deception. And you conduct those activities against the enemy. Um, but you don't you don't use them against your own people. You don't use them against your own family and your friends and your neighbors. So, uh, you know, I think personally, that's it's it's repugnant to assume that anybody who's intelligence, I think that is probably the greatest stereotype that one could paint anybody under, uh, you know, you want to want to talk about a, a conversation about racism. Well, you know, don't look now, but that's a form of racism. You're, you're, you're putting me in a category and others who've served their nation honorably 
in a category of that we're now the enemy because we have these skill sets and, and somehow we're using them against the American people. Um, you know, my response to that is, okay, prove it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If that's what you think, prove it. And, and by the way, you better have the damn evidence because I know, I know that I'm not doing it. So if you think I am, uh, you know, I sure hope you, you can prove it. And, you yeah. know, obviously you hear my voice getting raised a little bit and a little bit emotional because I, I don't think people really understand, first of all, what is intelligence? What is it actually? And what is disinformation? Um, thirdly, you know, the, the cost of running a disinformation operation is very, very expensive. Why would we do that against the American people, especially a community that really doesn't have a whole lot of influence in, 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 in national defense decisions? It's been a very niche community for a very long time. Uh, as, as wonderful as it is, it's not particularly influential when it comes to the, the national defense structure. Um, you know, why? That's just silly. Why? I mean, waste money just to play a joke on somebody? I, I, I don't get it. Well, um, I wanted to address that because I've, I've seen that in blogs and sure. everything else. And I just wanted you to, you know, set it straight. And I appreciate it. And Martin, I, I know it's not said. coming from you, by the way. So don't please don't take offense. I'm, I, in no yeah. way am I, am I directing this frustration to you. Um, it's just for me, I don't think people understand that I'm a person, too. I'm an individual. I'm a father. You know, I'm a husband. I'm a taxpayer. You know, I try to perform my civic duties the best I can. And and anytime someone comes up and says, "Oh, you guys, you're, you're once an intel person, always an intel person," or once a CIA person, always a CIA person, what the hell does that mean? I mean, do, mm -hmm. do you even have they ever spent a moment in the day of the life of of these people that are trying to protect this country? No, they spend most of their time in the mother's basement, sitting there probably in their underwear, looking at a computer, and and not understanding what this is really about. And it's it's offensive that people actually think that. Of, of, of individuals. Well, thank you for that. Um, no, I know, you know, as far as you, you can't violate your, your, your security oath by any means. I mean, you have everything at risk, you know, you, you'd be risking everything, pension and, and possibly, you know, harsh, um, treatment as well. But, um, I, I don't know if you can answer this, but do you think that you have seen evidence that if that evidence was leaked, that it would change everything and and as far as what people think about UFOs? I think it would change the conversation. Changing the way people think is something entirely different. And, and this is something right. that I've I've learned uh, through the course of many years of experience. Um, you can present somebody with absolute facts, and at the end of the day, you, you're not going to change their mind necessarily. Um, this is a gradual conversation, and this is one of the reasons why I said disclosure is a process. And, and, and not an event. Um, you don't just present somebody information and say, oh, aha, okay, I'm going to change my entire paradigm of thinking. That's not the way we're wired as human beings. It takes time. Uh, it takes, it takes uh, the ability to, to contemplate the facts and process those facts and then have the courage to, to be able to have, draw new conclusions, right? We, we tend to be a... a um, we don't have a whole lot of hum humility as a species. We tend to think we know we have all the answers. And so when you are challenged with, with uh, new information that challenges your, your status quo, uh, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. And I'm not blaming anybody for this. It. It's, it's part of the human condition. We all have these, these biases that we, uh, we, we, we bring along with us through life. And whether it's uh, with religion or, or governmental organizations or institutions or, or whatever, um, you know, 
that's kind of the way we are. And uh, it, I, I think, I do think that um, as more information comes out, it's going to continue to drive the conversation, but ultimately it's not videos and it's not pictures that are going to convince people. It's, it's going to be dialogue, discussion and conversation with each other. Because at the end of the day, you can always, always come up with some sort of crazy prosaic explanation for something. I don't care if I have a picture of this thing landing on the White House lawn. There's going to be people out there that are going to provide contrary information and data uh, that will that will argue against that. So, again, I, 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 I this is why I tell people, look, this is more than just pictures and, and, and videos to, to satisfy people's curiosity. This is this is a much bigger question we're dealing with here we're, we're dealing with 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 something that may change the very paradigm in which the human species looks at itself and and, and views its, its itself in the universe um you know again that's 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 a, a whole fundamental different conversation than just some pictures of some lights in the sky and i think that's why i think that's why it's so important that that folks like you martin and your audience are, are willing to have a conversation about this topic in, in an elevated manner, right? In a way that, that avoids the, the nonsensical uh, stereotypes of, of Elvis on the mothership and tinfoil hats and all that other garbage that has traditionally been associated with this topic and, and, and been considered fringe when in reality uh, we may be dealing with one of the greatest discoveries uh, of our species. Right. Right. Um, I know um when, when you think about uh, the different interviews you've been on lately, I watched a couple of them. One was the uh, basement office, I believe. It was very well done. The interviewer uh, did a very nice job. I heard you mention that one of your uh, colleagues or maybe uh, maybe someone in upper ranks mentioned, you know, have you read your Bible and these things, you know, they know what they are and they're demonic. Um, do you consider that an opinion? Was this, I mean, that can't be based on science. Was this the opinion of that person that said that to you? Well, look, I, I don't want to speculate. You know, I, I can say all day something is opinion, but if you talk to somebody who has that type of conviction, that's fact. That's not opinion. So, and at the end of the day, I, I can't, I can't say definitively that that person is right or wrong. Um, it, it's yet another option. And at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's a consideration for, for a lot of people. That's not a bad thing. You know, I don't want to villainize that. I don't, I don't think if it, because people's, people's philosophical and theological belief system is a very personal thing. And I certainly don't have the right to, to tell somebody that's, that's, that's BS. Uh, that's nonsensical because at the end of the day, they could be right. Um, rather, I prefer to take the position that, Whatever it is, we should probably figure it out, whether it is something that is supernatural uh, or something that is conventional or something that is truly, you know, uh, uh, hypernatural. Let's just say that um, I, I think I think it's it's OK to have that discussion. Um, I don't I don't shy away from it. I, I don't have the answer to it, but uh, I don't think it's a reason not to look at something. Um, you know, the same explanation was given by certain members of the church to Galileo centuries ago, where they even refused to look through the very telescope that he could he could prove to them the observations. And they said, no, that that's that's a tool of the devil. So um, I, I I don't think we should stop asking the questions and I don't think we should we should stop our, our exploration. If, if you do have a, a, 
theological mind like that, well, then one could argue God gave us a brain for a reason, and that's to figure things out. And how are you going to avoid something if you don't know what the heck it is? So, you know, I, 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 um, I'm careful not to not to to say anything um, against that type of perspective. I don't personally agree with it, but uh, I, at the end of the day, they could be absolutely right. Um, but my 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 job always has been as an intelligence professional to to seek out the answers. Doesn't matter the source. Doesn't matter where the where where the question's coming from. Find find the answers, um, and that's that's my perspective. Thank you. Um, in the chat room, I just want to let people know that unfortunately I, I can't uh, put your questions up uh, today. I have so many that came in through email ahead of you, but um, you will get an opportunity to call in and uh, at the end of the show, and I might be able to pop up some questions toward the end end of the show. I talk about this on my show a lot that I get a lot of new listeners, and ever since it, the the audience has been growing ever since um, the aforementioned December. 16th, 2017 article, the New York Times came out, which you were featured in. Um, What do you tell people that are interested in this topic that are new to it and they want to get really good, viable information without getting into, say, secure team 10 and, you know, those type of third phase of the moon and, you know, fake videos, things like that? Sure. Well, I I would say it's okay to look at all that. Um, I, I, you know, a lot, there's a lot of garbage out there and I'm not going to say which one is and isn't. I think people hope, hopefully are smart enough to realize that themselves. Um, I, I would encourage anybody to do a, a baseline study for themselves on what information is out there. Um, start looking at, at the facts. And if someone makes a proclamation, well, make sure they have the proof and the evidence to back it up. Otherwise it's just, it's just hearsay. It's more garbage. So uh, I would say that, that, um, start by getting on something like uh, UFO Twitter, where you have a lot of people there of all different ages and, and religions and ethnicities and races, and and start with that. Um, there's a lot of really good uh, analysis and study and opinions being being made on on UFO Twitter and social media. Now you're right. There's some. There's some some areas that that they should probably be cautious of there's a lot of charlatans and, and folks out there that are selling snake oil and and they prey on people who who are naive they don't they don't have they don't have a a, a fundamental understanding of the topic and let's not forget you know while we're on the topic of of religion and whatnot you know ufology to some degree for a long time has been like a a religion there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that have 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 glommed onto it in a way that that really influences their day-to-day um, livelihood. And uh, it, it has become a, a somewhat of a religion and a religious pursuit for them. And there's been some people who have stood up uh, within that community and, and, and claim to be its leaders. And it's, you know, these almost these cult figures, something which, which I, I, I reject uh, vehemently. That's why I, 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 I try never to say uh, I, me, or I, when it comes to, to, to this topic and UFOs and UAPs, I prefer to say we, us, and ours, uh, because ultimately what I have to say isn't as important as what we collectively have to say about this topic. Um, and I think that's where you can start delineating those there that are trying to suppress truth and, and research 
because they, what they tell you is, no, no, you don't want to listen to anybody else. You only want to listen to me. I'm the only one with the answers. Everybody else there is a charlatan. Nobody knows what they're talking about. Listen to me. Give me your money. Buy my books, and, and you're going to be okay. Just shut up and don't ask any questions, and we're going to be fine. That, that to me is um, – that's the danger. That's therein lies the danger. But also, I, I, I also realize people have to make, make that judgment for themselves. Otherwise, if I come out and say that person's bad, that person's bad, that person's good, then I'm just as guilty of doing the same thing. And, and uh, as, as tempting as it may be for me to do that and call people out, um, it's, it's ultimately at the end of the day, it's, it's counterproductive and it's hypocritical. And uh, I, I just I prefer not to get engaged in that and just continue to, to, to do what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And if people like it, then great. They can go along the ride with me. And if they don't, well, you know, tune into somebody else. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to um, talk about what a uh, longtime listener of the show uh, gave me for a statement about my blog. But first, before that, how difficult is it for someone like you knowing what you know to bite your tongue a lot of times when you have this information oh, that's shoot. so it's tough. Martin, huh? I'll tell you, you know, there's so much going on right now. Uh, I, I, you know, if I <laughs> don't tempt me, please, <laughs> um, you know, I get you drunk uh, first. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. And probably wouldn't have to get me too drunk. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things happening right now. Uh, a lot of good things. And there's a lot of frustrating things that, that I see and that I, I get impacted by. Uh, there's a lot of mis- misconceptions and in some cases by people that, that were very close to me. Um, but I, I can't, I can't short circuit the system. If we're going to do this the right way, we have to have the system as part of the solution. And I know that is probably to some people, uh, probably heresy, you know, because we've been villainizing the quote, the system, the man, uh, for, for years and decades, if not generations. But I, I, I think, I think ultimately we need the help of our government. I don't think we need to villainize it. And, and yes, I have been subject to, to some, some very nasty things that some elements within, within the government have, have, have done and continue to try to do to me, um, to disparage me, to, to destroy my credibility, to usurp me from, from having this conversation. Um, But I also know for every one of those, there's 10 others that are very good. And I still have a lot of friends in the department, a lot of friends in the intelligence community. And, and they tell me privately, Lou, you know, we, you're, you guys are making a difference. We, we, we hear you loud and clear and we're, we're seeing the evidence ourselves uh, at, you know, at the classified level. And, and for that reason, that gives me the encouragement to, to continue to have this conversation. Look, the, the moment the government writ large comes to me and says, Lou, stand down, um, I'll, I'll probably stand down. But, but I haven't been told that yet by my government. I've been told that by certain people in the government, but they don't represent the government. They don't, they don't, they don't represent the will of the government. And so um, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing until, until we, uh, until we succeed. Great. Um, This came in from someone, but I had a a very similar question. So I'm going to ask this is basically the same thing or along the same lines. Um, so it's Lou has stated in many interviews that he resigned from his position at the Pentagon out of frustration for being blocked from passing along the troubling UAP data to Secretary of Defense James Mattis. I haven't heard anyone ask him whether he attempted to reach General Mattis 
after his own resignation since they were both private citizens now? Uh, so it's a question. Are you asking me, have I spoken to yes. General Madison? I have not. Um, mm -hmm. And nor has he reached out. And, you know, he's, he's a busy man. I'm sure probably this is, is probably one of the things that he's, he's probably not focused on. Um, he's probably focused on a lot of other things right now. Uh, it's, it's not like he, uh, he, he can't get a job somewhere <laughs> and probably be very, and be very, very useful. Uh, but no, uh, but quite frankly, I haven't reached out either. Um, I'm not sure there's a need to, he, he, he received my letter. He, he knows what the issue is and, and there's not much he can do about it now because a year, year after I resigned, he did the same thing, uh, resigned in protest. So, uh, there you have it. Resigned in protest. He did. He did, General but, Mattis. But, but, not, but not directly because of this task force that you were involved in. Well, he resigned for many reasons. I'm not going to speak for General Mattis. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's a learned man, and he wrote a resignation memo that pretty much anybody can pull up now, I'm sure, on Google and, and ascertain for themselves. But he was, uh, he was frustrated, just like I was, for about certain things in the department and in the government that he, he couldn't fix while he was inside the government. Right, right. Um, the task force that uh, we're, we're supposed to be getting a report, but um, it's probably going to take a lot longer. It may or may not. Um, has anyone reached out to you or Chris that you're aware of um, in regards to information? I mean, would they even do that to begin with? Uh, well, you're asking me two questions. Would they? Uh, <laughs> and, and did they? Is the yeah. second question. Um, I, I'm not going to answer on behalf of the government. Um, uh, the government, if, if, to, to whatever degree they're comfortable discussing their business, uh, that's up to the U.S. government. Um, certainly, Chris and I have made ourselves available uh, to, to assist when and where needed. Uh, but um, the capacity in which that, that assistance has been rendered uh, is, is not for us to discuss. Um, and I know by doing that, uh, every time I say that, people FOIA the government and elements in the government say, ah, he has nothing to do. Well, okay. If that's if that's their position, then that's their position. Now, um, I, I I respect that. Um, I you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have an argument uh, on social media about that. I think that the facts are will, are continuing to surface, and the American people can be a judge for themselves on that. Um, sorry if you hear some banging in the background. Yeah, that is, yeah. House. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I have I have some <laughs> construction going on here. I do apologize. I'll try to mute my side whenever I'm not talking. Yeah, you can tell them to use a screw gun instead of a hammer. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be sturdier anyway. Um, so I asked a longtime um, listener to this show. He's a retired scientist, Phil Sanders. Um, what he thought um, has been the biggest change since 2000, um, the 2017 New York Times article. And this is what um, his opinion is. The biggest thing for me is how the Pentagon, Pentagon spokespeople keep lying changing their story despite Harry Reid saying unequivocally that Lewis did what he said he did. While the rhetoric from Mellon and Elizondo is ratcheting up towards UFOs being otherworldly, at least one person in the Pentagon claimed that Lewis uh, claimed to Lewis that they were demons. It seems that the federal government does not have a unified voice. Um, any comments on that comment? No, I think that's precisely correct. They don't have a unified voice, and that's why there's a report due to Congress, uh, because they want a unified voice. Uh, that's why there is this this vulnerability assessment, this threat assessment that's due. 
because there are conflicting messages, uh, not just about me, but about ATIP itself uh, and what the purpose of the program was and what its findings were and what the new version of ATIP is doing now to this day. Um, you know, the, the Pentagon does indeed have a, 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 a problem on its hands, and that is an inconsistent message. They continue to flip-flop back and forth, back and forth, and, and some of it to the, to the point where it's, it's – I'd say it's laughable if it was about any other topic, but it's not because we're dealing with about people's, people's livelihoods and jobs, and, and, and they take their jobs very serious. So it's, for me, it's, um, it's sad to see, but I think that uh, one, of the, one of the, I think, positive outcomes of this is that you have an IG uh, – report that will probably be coming out of this as well. So as you see that there's the DOD IG is taking this very seriously, particularly the, the inconsistent messaging and how they've been handling this topic so far, uh, you know, and, and there's going to be some, some really hard questions that are going to have to be answered by some pretty senior people here uh, in, in the coming uh, weeks, months, and, and, uh, and years, because you're right. There's a problem. Um, someone is not doing necessarily what they're supposed to be doing uh, and uh, doesn't have the information they need to be interacting with the American people. And that is, uh, that's a problem. That is a, that's a big problem. Um, I think ultimately this will probably lead to some sort of, of hearings uh, with Congress. At least I would hope that's the case Some open hearings uh, for, for the public to then then be part of um but with that said i think i'll probably uh i don't i don't think i want to to opine any further a lot of people were very confused by to the stars academy i know i know that you left um and and a few others left um a lot of people like i said they're very very confused like is it a money-making thing what is this what's going on there um I believe in general, the intentions were all good um, for the, for the person that doesn't know out there, the listener that doesn't know uh, what uh, made you decide uh, to move on from that. Sure. Uh, first of all, you're right. The intentions of TTSA were good. Uh, they were to, to drive discussion and innovation uh, on a topic that was fraught with uh, conspiracy, taboo and stigma. And, and to a large degree, it succeeded in breaking down many of those barriers. And, and in large part, it's because of some of the people that were part of that effort. We had Chris Mellon and Hal Putoff and Steve Justice and Jim Semivan and, and Tom, all with different skill sets. And uh, these individuals uh, had a tremendous amount of expertise and, uh, for, from, from the perspective of what they brought to the table. And it was able to accomplish uh, in a very short time period um, – much of its 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 major goal, and that was to drive disclosure. Now, why did we leave? Um, I can't speak for for Steve Justice or Hal or Chris or, or anybody else. I can only speak for myself. But for myself, uh, the the company was shifting towards entertainment, and entertainment is a, a good way to get your return on investment. If you have people uh, contributing to a company um, through stocks. Well, you kind of are obligated to to give them a return on their stocks. Um, that's what they expect. At the end of the day, it, it was a business, and so as a company began to shift towards entertainment as a means to to I think uh, address uh, the shareholders, um, my 
my position became less and less relevant uh, because I, I don't have the experience in entertainment. I'm not an entertainer. Uh, I'm not a, a, a TV star, movie star. Uh, yeah, I was on TV, but it doesn't make me a, a TV person. Um, I, I'm just Lou. And so my, my skill sets really relies in, uh, lies in the areas of, of connecting the dots and getting the right information to the right people at the right time at the right place. Uh, that's, that's where my skill sets come in. And uh, there's, not a big, there's not a big demand for that in, in Hollywood. Uh, it's just that's, you know, Hollywood is, is reaching out to an audience largely through, through scripted and unscripted type entertainment. And that's, that's not my forte. Uh, my forte is is uh, probably more along the line from my my background and my intelligence expertise, which is getting uh, legislators to pay attention, ex- people in the executive branch to pay attention, people in the media to pay attention, uh, foreign governments to pay attention, and and lastly the American people, which is probably the, the most important thing that we could be doing is to get get them to pay attention, and that's why I'm doing shows like yours. Um, just as I do any other 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 televised news, whether it's a major media outlet or or or, or a, a niche uh, podcast, because I think I think the information is deserved by everybody. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a media snob. I don't uh, I don't say, well, unless you have a, a million viewers, I'm not going to waste my time. I don't care if you have one viewer. Um, the bottom line: this conversation is important and it pertains to everybody. And I think I, um, it, it, this for me is where probably uh, I can be better used and served um, by by engagement like this. Vice, let's say some uh, big fancy um, Hollywood movie production, uh, uh, you know that that's about about me. Um, I, I'm not really that guy. <laughs> Unidentified, great series. I really enjoyed it. Is that is that not? continuing i mean things the dynamics have changed well you know we we never intended it to go beyond really two 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 seasons when Mm -hmm. chris and i and and others got into this this was a we look again we're not hollywood people we did this to communicate a message and to demonstrate the the seriousness of this topic um you know if if at some point in the in the future or near future it looks like we need to engage again to do something like that and bring out new evidence and new material and and then we're we're certainly open to do that um but we have to be very careful because we only have so much bandwidth there's only so many hours in the day that i can commit to doing something like this which as you know doesn't pay the bills i, I don't i don't receive a penny from anybody doing anything like this you know i, I have a real job i have to i have to do um and uh, it it you know, it doesn't really involve um, outreach to the public. So this is on my own time. And I spent a lot of my time doing this. And and at some point, if it turns out that we we have another opportunity to maybe engage the American people and, and the world in something similar to what we had with Unidentified, then, yeah, you know, we, we may we may consider doing that. But it, it'll be, though, keeping in mind, you're going to be filming for seven months out of the year nonstop. It's, it's at the it's at the consequence of not being able to do like what I'm doing with you here today. So either I, I can do this like we're doing and continue to engage the media and, and, and push forward, or I can do something like that, but it's going to cause me to be removed from the, from the, from the trade space for, for a prolonged period of time. And yeah. of course, then there's NDAs and I can't talk about what we're doing until it comes out and people start getting impatient, say, Lou, where the hell are you? What, what are you doing lately? You know, you yeah. Are you alive? 
um, and that that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I know when I talked to the publicist um, that was working with the History Channel and you and and others, um, it was oh he's traveling he's traveling you know he can't do anything he's traveling he's traveling, and then COVID came and she said he's traveling. I said during COVID this one no one was traveling, and you may or may not have been. Uh, we have a couple of uh, questions in. One of them is actually from Bill, the engineer. And again, uh, we will get to your questions. You know, if you'd like to call in, I will put that number up just a tad early um, on the half of the last half of the hour. Uh, would Lewis appear at an open or closed door hearing if called upon to discuss the aerial threat assessment post report? Well, I'm not sure I'd have a choice. Um, you know, if Congress <laughs> issues a subpoena, you you you're going. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, let me answer that succinctly. Yes, if I'm asked to testify, I will certainly I will certainly do so. Yeah, um, there's other there's a ton of other questions, but I wanted to tell you something really interesting that happened to me many years ago before I was really even looking into this topic at all. Um, you know, I had a, a slight interest as a kid, but I had a sighting in 2006 um, uh, that kind of, you know, is why I'm doing the show today. But before the time, I wasn't really paying too much attention to anything. But I had an insurance broker, I've mentioned this on this show before, who was at my house and we were chit-chatting. Um, he was hanging out and we were talking and he talked about uh, when he was in Vietnam, served in Vietnam. And then he very quietly said, I was in a very unusual position. I said, well, what was that? And he said, well, I belonged to a task force in Vietnam that was researching the UFO um, phenomenon that was happening during the war. And uh, so I asked, I said, you know, of course, I asked him the question, well, what is it? What are they? You know, I mean, that's what everyone kind of wants to know anyway. And uh, and then um as we were talking, I said, you know, when I was in high school, I did, I did an essay that perhaps all the different races in the, in the world were placed here from different planets. Just, just kind of a fun thing. And I mentioned that to him and he said, well, you know, that may not be that far off. He said, we may be a Petri dish. And this was like in the early 1990s, something like that. And I just wondered, had you ever heard of any like task force like that when it comes to the Vietnam War? Well, first of all, I'll state emphatically, we are a petri dish. Um, you know, let origins aside, we we are. There's there's an abundant uh, amount of life on this on this little planet that we call Earth, and it's it's it, it's pervasive everywhere. Uh, it, it's virtually in the the, the highest parts of uh, of our of our of our of our planet to include uh, the Himalayas to the deepest parts of our ocean and even miles under ice. So, so we are a bit of a Petri dish uh, and, and and to some degree, human beings are a walking Petri dish uh, with my background in microbiology and immunology. Um, have I heard about a task force uh, designed in uh, that was operating in the Vietnam era in the Vietnam AOR for the purposes of studying UFOs? I'm not. But what I will say is that at the time, the height of the Cold War, we were in the we were in the midst of fighting multiple proxy wars, whether in Central America or in uh, in um, in Asia and, and Africa and everywhere else. Um, you know, the stakes were high. And so it, it's we had 
us and the Soviet Union were constantly coming up with new innovative ways to to collect on each other and ultimately kill each other. Uh, and that's true not just from a nuclear technology perspective. It's true in, in aerospace. Uh, you know, we had that was a time in the in the 60s and 70s that we really were beginning to to develop things such as the SR-71 Blackbird. Um, and if you've never seen one of those before in the 1960s, it probably looked like a spaceship. Uh, we had the X-15. Um, Russia had a bunch of, of new technology. Um, you know, we were constantly dodging surface-to-air missiles uh, in in uh, in Vietnam uh, over the border. And so it was a, a really hot time for being a Cold War, so to speak. Uh, it may have been a Cold War by name, but certainly not by action. And so it, it doesn't surprise me that we had a task force that was uh, designed to to try to identify new types of innovative technologies from from our enemy. Now, whether or not that task force was specifically looking at UFOs or looking at basically any type of technology that we don't immediately recognize, uh, that's, you know, that's certainly that's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I wasn't aware of anything when I was in ATIP, only to find out that I met an individual uh, after it took me after I left ATIP to realize there was an individual that was working this project back in the 1980s for the Navy. And that was for me was uh, rather surprising. Um, I, no one had you know, failed to mention that to me when I was, when I was an ATIP and, uh, it probably would have been very useful. So am I surprised? Not particularly. Am I aware of it? No, I'm not aware of it. Interesting. Going back, uh, we can go all the way back to the late 1940s when we'll call it like the modern UFO era, I guess, um, since about that time, if, the Air Force actually admitted that we have things flying around our sky. We don't know what they are, what they could or could not do to us. And we have no control over it um, because that seemingly what is the truth of it all. But um, for them to uh, just stay quiet about that, um, do you think that if they did admit something like that, that there would be some type of panic? Well, think about, first of all, what we're, what we're asking the institution to do, and that is to admit to the American people that there's something in our skies. Again, we don't know what it is. We don't know how it works. We don't know where it's from. We don't know their intentions, and there's nothing we can do about it. For any country to say that um, is, is, is admitting that, um, that the government cannot do one of its primary functions, and that is to protect the people uh, and, and determine what a threat is. So that's a very bold statement. At the height of the Cold War with the Russians, there were several studies done that actually informed the government and advised the government, don't have this conversation. If these things aren't directly interfering with your military operations, ignore them and focus on the threat, which is Russia, because they have nukes and they have demonstrated a capability uh, to, to deliver those should we go to war. And so that was where our time and attention was spent. And it's, it's no, it's, it's, it's probably would have been, would not have been helpful uh, to the American government because if it turned out that these were some sort of Russian technologies being used against us, that would be a really difficult conversation to have with the American people. I mean, that would be, that would be a very tough conversation. And uh, so I, I think some folks just decided it probably better off just to ignore it and not pay attention to it, maybe minimize it as a reality, uh, and instead focus on on the big threat that we know is there, and that is, that is the, at the time, the, the, the Soviets. 
Right, right. And there's still, you know, I mean, part of this task force is an exploration to, you know, for that possibility. Um, we are we are going to head into break right now. We got a um, about a three and a half minute break we're going to go into right now. And uh, during this break, I'm going to be playing a a song called Rundersham, and that's uh, by Rundersham Forest, um, and that's by Johnny Cobb and Jerry McCoy, and we're going to play that during the break. So hang in there over at KGRA Radio. We'll be right back. Just after midnight, late December 1980. Strange lights in the sky, glowing spears among the trees. The woods lit up like fire, electricity. Welcome back. This is Martin Willis, and my guest tonight is Lou Elizondo. And uh, Lou, I'm so glad that uh, I'm trying to uh, trust this right here. Here we go. <laughs> so glad again that you could join us. And I really do appreciate. You know, you said that you'd be on a show with one listener. It, it didn't matter. And I, I do, I do believe that about you. That you have that uh, type of dedication 
And um, as Bill said during the break, sent me a text. Um, you are very well needed in this. You know, I think <clears throat> as long as I've been looking into the topic, which really isn't that long compared to a lot of people, is uh, it's really nice to see things move forward and move and move ahead and um, going in seemingly the right direction. The word disclosure comes up a lot. I don't know um, how you feel about that. A lot of people uh, must ask you that. Do you think there'll be full disclosure by the government? You mentioned earlier if they landed on the White House lawn, and I've said a similar thing, how many people in the world would believe it or not believe it? I mean, you know, there's, like you said, someone can talk uh, a debunk somehow, uh, even if the president were to admit it, it doesn't matter. I mean, Martin, no no offense, but there's people that still believe the earth is flat and, you know, that's their prerogative and, and, and privilege if they want to, they want to believe that uh, despite the overwhelming evidence that, that's certainly not the case. Um, you know, so yeah, there's always going to be people that no matter what are not going to, to, to believe this. And, and we, I think we need to be patient because this is not a, you know, we're not a, we shouldn't be approaching this as a, see, I told you we were right. I told you so, um, you know, and, and, and thumbing our nose at somebody that that's not what this is about. Uh, you know, the once disclosure actually occurs, the real hard conversation is going to begin. Um, you know, this is, you know, this is not necessarily a time to celebrate per se. Um, I think it's, 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 we're entering into, to an age of acknowledgement. Uh, but, but a lot more work's going to be, be needed. And I think what's important too, is that, you know, there's a lot about this topic that really isn't up to the government to disclose. Uh, the government is only going to be looking at this through a very narrow lens of national security. Um, but anything beyond that, that's that's up to us to have. That's up to us to have that conversation uh, as as the people. We shouldn't be relying on the government to to make decisions on our behalf on the philosophical implications of this topic. This is part of our problem. We've become very lazy as a society, and we've relied too much on our government. This is part of the problem. We're relying on our government to tell us not only what what something is, but how we should feel about it and what we should think about it. And that, to me, is extremely dangerous. It, that's up to us. That's up to you, the people, to make that decision. Don't put the government in the driver's seat of those, those philosophical questions because it, it, it's not a discussion that pertains to them. It's a discussion that belongs to us. And ultimately, I think between our academics and our scientists and our philosophers and our theologians and everybody, lottie dottie, maybe, maybe then we'll be able to, to figure this out. But I, I, for one, don't feel comfortable putting this entire topic in the hands of our government. I, I don't think it should be there. I think portions of it should, but, but there's portions that, that should remain outside uh, government channels, in my opinion. Right. Um, I've heard you say in a number of interviews, people have brought up the recovered craft. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of people that will say, hey, how the heck can these craft, you know, travel the universe or whatever it is they're doing and get here and then somehow crash? Um, And I know you can't if you know something that's classified, I know you can't talk about it. But um, do you think it's possible that there? Somewhere there is this material. I, I think you've been asked that question directly. Yeah, I, I've stated for the record what my belief is, 
And uh, simply put, yes, I believe that uh, there are elements within the U.S. government that are in possession of some very exotic material that needs further analysis and study. Uh, and that is my, my, my personal belief based upon my personal observations uh, during my time in this program and, and, and afterwards. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm going to be very careful not to, to state uh, something that really isn't up to me to, to, to discuss. Um, if the government is in possession of something, it then is up to the government to make a determination um, how it wants to let the American people know. And then if the American people are unsatisfied with that, well, then you know what? We take it up with the government and, you know, we get new elected leaders and we put people in office that we want there that are going to represent our interests and make the government do what we want it to do. Um, you know, again, another reason why I'm very, very cautious that that we put too much emphasis and reliance upon the government to tell us what we want to hear. Um, I, I, I don't subscribe to that. I, I think that's very dangerous. I think we're, we're giving away a lot of our, our rights and privileges when we do that. Um, I, I think, I think I'm a firm believer that the government is there to serve the people, not the other way around. And the government is there to do what we tell it to do. And it's going to, it's going to look at a topic the way we think it should look at a topic. Um, ultimately that's, that's the definition of a democracy. And, and you have a representative government that's executing the will of the people. And I, I feel very, very strongly about that. So as far as you're talking about crash retrievals, et cetera, um, you know, that's, that's really up to the government to decide to, 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 to discuss what it, it, it has and doesn't have. Uh, and that's true, whether it's uh, parts of some sort of uh, um, new technology from our foreign adversary that we happen to collect or a new type of part of a satellite platform or a new part of uh, a, a UAP UFO. Um, I, I, you know, the government ultimately is going to have to answer that. Uh, I, 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 I suspect that there is, there is uh, a, an effort underway right now uh, within the government to, to, to address that, but specifically how and by whom I, I, I can't elaborate. I've asked this question in particular to people who have been on the show, like an astrophysicist, um, Harvey Loeb, and, and a few other um, astronomers, this particular question. And that is, if, if let's just say that we are being visited by another intelligence, and let's just say that we are being visited from somewhere in the universe by another um, intelligence, and there were... Uh, there, there are, say, billions of other planets out there that could house intelligent life. Um, why us? Why would they? Why would we be so special? Why would they be visiting us? Why not us? Same question. Let me put that back in your lap. Why not us? And I'm not saying we're necessarily special. We could be completely mundane and routine. But mm -hmm. we, we as a species spend a, a much of our time and attention looking at the routine and mundane and we we spend a lot of time whether it's biologically speaking and there's entire people that that dedicate their lives to to the study of insects right most people say an insect why would you do that well because it's a, it's a living thing and it's important to the ecosystem and everything has a role to play and so whether you are a bovine specialist or an equine specialist or a or a or, or a human medical doctor we spend a lot of time studying biological organisms from the very very small to the very very large and if you have a a let's say a petri dish as you you stated earlier this hour called earth with all sorts of of biomarkers 
Well, this is probably a pretty good zoo to visit then if you want to take a look at a lot of different species, you know, all in one place. So um, that's that w- that's my perspective anyways. But ultimately, look, at the end of the day, we don't know. We don't know the intent. We're, we're looking at this from a humanistic perspective that that the, the curiosity we have is going to be the same thing that something else has, uh, you know, beyond our, our solar system. When in reality, that may not be true. You know, we're, we're looking at this through anthropomorphic eyes because yes. we're humans. Uh, it could be a fundamentally different way of, of thought processes, uh, you know, that that drive the motivation why something would want to be here. That's right. I've said something similar to that many times. And another thing is, you know, you think of back on the 20th century, we killed more people during that century than ever on record. And we're violent. We're tribal. And as, uh, you know, Stanton Friedman um, would say, you know, we found the matches when we found nuclear uh, warheads, when we figured that out. Um, and if this is just a speculative question, if you had to guess why they're not making themselves being rightly known, um, again, um, I guess I'd be asking you to think in human terms. Um, do you think that's why could be a possibility of why they're not is because we are such a violent species? Well, in human terms, let's, let's look at, let's, let's go down that, that road for a second. When a biologist goes to Africa uh, and they're studying cheetahs. They don't go up there with 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 cat food and, and and pet the thing. You know, they stand back about fifty yards off. They might dart it and tranquilize it before they go near it. And then before the thing wakes up, they're they're gone, man. They split uh, because it is a wild animal. And um, you know, it could very well be that that if you again looking at this through human eyes, and which which may not be the case, we don't know. Um, it could very well be that it's it's just a matter of, of due diligence and precaution. You know, we, we, we behave exactly the same way when we're out in the wild and we're tagging and tracking animals, whether it's 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 whales in the ocean or or uh, wildebeest that are on, on, a, on a great migration across the Serengeti. So uh, I, I, I again, to go back to from the human perspective, there's lots of reasons why a species would not want to interact with us directly. Um, look, we're our own species and we don't like to interact with each other half the time. You know, you yeah. just said it yourself. We come up with all these clever ways to destroy each other and rip each other apart. Um, you know, chances are if there was a, a, another species out there that was looking at us, you know, they, they probably want to stay at arm's length. Um, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they could probably destroy us if they wanted to, maybe that's again, not in their way of thinking. Um, as far as the UFO, um, as far as Uf- UFOs, the study of UFOs, do you think it's possible that any of our adversaries may have more information on what these things are than we have? And it also makes me wonder why we don't unify in a situation like this. Martin, therein lies the, the, the real issue uh, for me, that we have we have a preponderance of evidence that suggests other countries are looking into this phenomenon and, and they're, 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 they, they may even possibly have a better understanding than we do. Um, if that is the case, then, you know, uh, he who gets that, that, that match first wins. Um, that type of technology in the hands of an adversary, uh, you know, could, could make the, the, the atom bomb look like a firecracker. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that concerns me. Because we, 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 we're sitting on our laurels and we're just, uh, we have allowed stigma and taboo to, to paralyze the conversation. Uh, 
and while other countries are taking it rather seriously. And that that is a concern for me. And now, does it have the potential to unite? I sure hope so, uh, because otherwise it's it's not going to be a very good day for humanity. I, I think I think it should unite us. I think we should find some some commonalities here, and rather than focus on the ten percent of differences that we have with other countries uh, and other nations, maybe we instead focus on the ninety percent that we have in common. And maybe this can be something to help unite us. Uh, there have been times in the past where you have, for example, climate change that has united great portions of the world to come together for a common cause. Now, uh, it's not perfect and not everybody's going to get on board uh, necessarily, but but there are times where we come together. You know, Reagan once said that, that if there was ever President Ronald Reagan, that if, if uh, yeah. a, a UFO had, had landed here or, you know, there's a big asteroid coming, that we would instantly be united as, as, a, as a world. Um, do I think that's practical? Possibly. I think it's certainly possible. I think when people realize there's bigger issues we need to worry about than, than our own manufactured drama and traumas that we create for ourselves, yeah. you know, yeah, it could be, it could be a, a hell of a motivator for us to start working together. Right. Yeah. All good. Um, so this came in from also from um, someone over at the radio station from your own personal perspective on this issue, would you endorse funding to be allocated to military branches and agencies to address the threat posed by these unidentified aerial phenomenon? Absolutely. But I would also dedicate an equal amount, if not greater amount of money to organizations like the national science foundation uh, to, to also work on this, this effort to figure out, uh, its full implications. Is there a national security piece to this? Yeah, ab- absolutely there is. But as I said before, it's not only national security. There's other things that we could be putting. We could we could create a a, 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 a federal construct where we have the best and the brightest from academia and the scientific community, Department of Energy, uh, NASA, FAA, Department of Defense, the intelligence community. Bring everybody who's got a, got a stake in this. Maybe there's an international organization under the United Nations uh, where we can work collectively on this because this is ultimately a global phenomenon, not just a U.S. phenomenon. Right. Um, I wanted to, uh, I was trying to grab this screenshot. I'll, I'll try to grab it now because I thought it, I'd give you a little bit of a, a stump to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to talk about what I saw you um, go on Twitter and announce today. And I'm just going to pull that up right now. And I'll make it a full screen. So um, right here, you said, uh, I like your pledge, by the way, but uh, again and again, you have to talk about this, um, that people are asking you if you were involved in the, um, what was it, A-A-W-S-A-P, and you you look a little frustrated when you talk about that. <laughs> and so if you want to go ahead and, and, and talk about that and... Yeah, uh, sure. Well, uh, there's there's people that have have for whatever reason, and I've made it abundantly clear over and over and over again, and it looks like I have to do it yet again. That think I was associated with the with the OSAP program, when in reality, my my focus was ATIP. Um, I have I have stated that for the record for the last three years, uh, but there are people for some reason that are still confused by that, and and some of these were I'll tell you were personal friends. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's frustrating. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you have to repeat things over and over again before it resonates and, and uh, people, people understand that. Um, my focus was, was ATIP. 
uh, not OSAP. OSAP was run by by my predecessor and and a, and a contractor who, by the way, did a, did a very good job with that. Um, why there's still confusion, I don't know. Yes, it's a little frustrating. Um, it's understandable, but it's certainly never come from my mouth. And you know, if 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 I'm doing a favor for somebody by having to restate this again and again, I'll do it again and again. But there should be no confusion. My my focus was was on ATIP and and not OSAP. And again, you can see that. I know you probably know this. You've heard it a thousand times in other podcasts. But for whatever reason, there are some people that maybe have never heard these podcasts, never read an article, uh, and and for some reason still think I'm I'm associated with with OSAP. Very good. The Nimitz case I mentioned um, in the text that I would talk a little bit about that. And um, going back up to a, I guess you'd call him a skeptic or debunker, Mick West, you know, mentioned that, that he thought that the Tic Tac that they were observing was an F-18 Hornet. Um, and basically I had I had Kevin Day on this um, show basically saying his side of it. And when I got back to Mick, he said, yeah, I kind of understand why it couldn't be. Um, because there are so many reasons why not. Um, but I'd like to talk a little bit about that case. Is that is that one of the cases that the program actually looked into deeply or was it not contemporary enough? That happened in 2004. You have to you have to unmute. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I have these really fat fingers and I'm on this little tiny keypad and I'm trying to disengage. I'm sorry. So, so a tip, uh, I'm sorry. So the Nimitz incident occurred before the a tip program existed. However, uh, it was members of a tip, um, and, and later to be known as a tip that conducted the investigation. Uh, I, I want to be careful to not go into too much detail of, of, of who prepared that report. Uh, but uh, the individuals that that prepared that report uh, were were later part of the ATIP program. Right. Um, this is, uh, you know, it's a rendition. It's not. It's not actually footage. But you know, I have. Uh, I had someone on this program that was actually on the either the Princeton or the Nimitz, and they said they actually saw the HD video of the Tic Tac. Is that something that? Um, Usually someone in your position would have an availability to see. Uh, yeah, Martin, I, I don't want to discuss uh, if something hasn't been released yet or or, yeah. or is still in government possession. I, I don't want to elaborate on that uh, only because um, I, I'm not supposed to. Uh, yeah. the bottom line is it. that the, you yeah. know, the government is in possession of, 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 of more videos, more photographs. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, some of them are very compelling. Um, but as to the specifics of high definition video uh, of, of certain instances and things like that, I'm going to politely um, uh, abstain from answering that question only because uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how far I can go with that question. Um, so sure. I'm just going to politely uh, uh, sidestep that one. Yeah. Uh, this one here, um, you know, it, I, it's enhanced a bit, but uh, yeah. a great image. And uh, I know a lot of people claim that they have, you know, the answer to what that is. I'm sure you've heard it all. Um, but it would, you would think, and this is a, an argument I've heard out there a number of times, you would think that if the government has at their fingertips all this technology and can figure out what things are, um, why would they release that saying that was unidentified? That is currently one of the real unidentified videos, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they said it themselves. It is, it is unidentified. Uh, and it's, you know, uh, again, you can have armchair quarterbacks all day long talk about, you know, lens flare and artifacts and all that stuff. But in reality, that's not the case. It, it's, it's a real object. It's doing something interesting and it remains unidentified. And the reason why is because, uh, you know, you, it's important to, in the context of the conversation to recognize um, rarely do you just have one collection sensor on site. Usually you have all sorts of collection sensors, a suite, if you will, available to you to to collect telemetry and uh, ELINT, uh, electronics emissions and, and intelligence and, and measurements intelligence, MASINT and uh, signals intelligence and all the all the different ways of collecting information about something. So, you know, again, it's it's um, a picture may be worth a, a, a thousand words, but uh the rest of intelligence is probably worth about a million words, and that's why it's so important. Because the more the more capability you bring to bear on a particular incident, the more fidelity you have of of a particular incident, and that's that's what makes that equally compelling. It's not just necessarily a video; it's it's the circumstances leading up to the video and what happened after as well. Right. There were so many things that went on, and one of the things that Mick West um, had said is that he thought it was. Uh, um, the F-18 was trying to, the Fleur was trying to get a lock on, on the F-18. And, uh, I, you know, my argument or my thoughts right away were that if someone was in that other F-18, they would know right away as soon as there was a lock on them, you know, and, and then there's the transponders and there's all the identification equipment, equipment that the, um, that the camera, uh, would have, uh, recognized right away with the other senses. Um, so anyway, that is a spectacular case. And I'm sure you get asked this quite often. Um, do you have a favorite case or one that you think is the most compelling that is known by the public? Wow. That's like asking me if I have a, if a favorite child. Favorite kid. Uh, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> you know, um, well, do you no, have a favorite kid? <laughs> they, uh, no, I love my kids equally. <laughs> and and some, sometimes I can't stand them equally too. <laughs> uh, it's all no, yeah. yeah, no, I'm kidding. My, my, my kids are the greatest accomplishment of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never nice. be able to, to, to obtain any, 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 uh, anything greater than that. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm an incredibly lucky father. I get um, as far as the, the, my favorite case, you know, they're, they all have 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 uniqueness about them, and I think for me, it's because they don't all fit in a particular mold. Why they're so interesting and compelling to me? Because as an intelligence officer, we're trained to find patterns. We're trained to find you know create this mosaic. It's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle, and eventually you have enough pieces on the on the on the table where you can you can make a picture. You know what it is. But this is not that way. This is, this is far more intriguing. This is almost like a, a think of a three-dimensional puzzle, uh, a, a puzzle that not only fits uh, on a table flat, but you also have these, these sides and tops and, and whatnot. And, and there's so many pieces to the puzzle uh, and, and you can't force them together. You know, they have to fit. And every time we think we have a picture of, of, of what it is we may be looking at, all of a sudden, there's this whole other dimension to the jigsaw puzzle now that doesn't fit. So it might fit here, but on the opposite side, now those pieces don't fit. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's, it really is it, – it's, it's, it's intriguing. Um, it's, it's, it's really one, one hell of a mystery. 
And then when you finally get to the point where you do find some pieces that fit and you start seeing a bit of a picture, you know, there's this realization that, wow, you know, this is, this really is some, some pretty incredible technology. When you were doing research at ATIP, were you able, or did you have uh, an interest in historic cases or did you have to stay away from that and just work on what you had the freshest data on yeah, Mar, we stayed away from historical cases. I know people are, are going to be up in arms and saying, oh, how can you do that? Well, because we didn't have the fidelity of information available to us. You can't look at a case from the 1950s uh, with with the same lens that you do today's day and age, because we have the the, 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 the pervasiveness of technology and the and the sophistication is is. I'll say, forgive the pun, light years ahead of where it was uh, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, even the 80s. Uh, we, we've come so far. And so for us, we had enough information uh, where we could look at the cases right here and now uh, because they, they were frequent enough where, where we were busy looking at these things. Uh, also, we had uh, we were very we were very uh, limited. We had to be focused only on the military aspects. We weren't really focused uh, later on in the uh, in the civilian cases, it was it was primarily military cases um, and those that affecting, uh, you know, military controlled airspace. So uh, we were plenty busy with just just that. Um, yes, there are people there that knew anecdotally some historical stuff, but but that wasn't overly helpful because I couldn't go to the boss and say, hey, boss, guess what? You know, here's this old case from 1950s. Isn't this interesting? He's going to look at me and he's going to say, Okay, that was 60 years ago. What, what have you done for me lately? So, um, you know, it, it's far more when you can show radar tracks and you can show uh, some other uh, uh, data that you can collect on site, sometimes from different platforms in the area. You know, now you've got a, a pretty good triangulation of, of, of something that is in, in your airspace that is behaving in a way that, quite frankly, doesn't really make much sense. Um, that, that, is, is, is more helpful when you go to leadership with something like that um, than, you know, taking the cold case from the 1950s that really there's no, there, there, there's nothing else there that you get. The data is in front of you and that's all you have. You can't pull any more data because that data doesn't exist. When you left ATIP, was there any debriefing, like anything said to you, like you can't speak about this, anything like that? Yeah, I, I was told I can't discuss classified information. You know, they reminded me ad nauseum about my about my non-disclosure agreement with the United States government. Uh, when you have a top secret security clearance along with the the other stuff involved with it, I won't go into detail, uh, different programs and attributes, you know, you, you it, it's a lifelong commitment you've made. It's like a marriage, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But in this case, you know, if you if you break your vow, it's not a divorce. You go to jail. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty serious. The consequences are, are, are severe for those who step out of rank and, and decide to divulge classified information. It's called an unauthorized disclosure. So, uh, you know, that's that's I, that's why I'm always very careful. If I say one wrong word, I can find myself in a lot of hot water. So I'm very, very careful to make sure that I don't I know I don't cross those those lines. Yeah, but those people wouldn't be watching this podcast if you want to disclose anything. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna you gonna visit me in jail? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put the, the hacksaw blade in the cake. I'll bring you a cake. Yeah. yeah. I don't look good in orange. I can tell you. So uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 pass on that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, 
You know, I think I'm going to open the lines because people are trying to call already. And I, I want to ask people that are calling to uh, please be uh, very respectful and uh, no games or anything. And if anyone does play any games or anything, you'll get a click. So um, I'm going to open also up Martin line. real quick. If my, yeah. my Bluetooth drops out, I will, I have another emergency pair here. I'll just plug in directly. Um, it usually yeah. has about a, a two hour life, but uh, the more I yammer, the more, <laughs> the more battery it chews up. So forgive okay. me if, if it goes out, I'll just plug and play. Okay, sure. All right. So that number is, uh, Oh, okay. That number is eight, five, five, four, seven, two, five, four, eight, three. And um, I'm going to also pop up, see if there's, if anyone wants to ask a question, I have not been pay, paying attention at all of chat. We have a lot of people in here uh, right now uh, watching live, quite a few. So um, again, that number is 855-472-5483. And I'll be taking your calls uh, for questions for Lou. Um, what's What's like the number one thing that people will ask you when they find out what you did? I mean, is it... Like, can you share any secret? Is that is that the first thing they ask you? I'm talking about like uh, the average person. Usually, the the first re- response is, "You mean you're telling me it's real?" And then usually the second uh, response is, "So do we have uh, UFOs at uh, Area 51?" That's usually the second question, <laughs> right on the heels of that one. Yeah, well, that's interesting, and I'm sure you've heard about um, when I think it was I can't remember his name right now, and I'm, it's just slipping my mind. But um, the skunk works. He said that it's possible we could, you know, uh, send ET home at this point. I mean, do you think there's any viability in what the technology is? You know, this is another speculative question. What our technology is that we don't know about at this point? Well, we don't know what we don't know, right? Yeah. So uh, we can speculate all day long. I think one thing that we we, we can certainly recognize is that um, – you know, science, our understanding of science continues to evolve and, and, and evolves quickly uh, based upon observations and things that we thought were impossible in the past. We continue to prove ourselves wrong. There was a time where where we never thought we'd break the sound barrier. There was a time where we never thought we could uh, make the quarter mile run in less than four seconds. There was a time where four we minutes. thought that. Uh, yep. Well, the four minute was running. I'm talking quarter mile with a drag oh, race car. Oh, okay. HRA. Sure. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a gearhead, right? So I, <laughs> my days of running right. are over. I, I only run when I'm being chased. I, I prefer yep. go, uh, gearhead talk. So I apologize. <laughs> I, um, but there was a time where, where people thought we couldn't, uh, you know, all, all the things that we have been speculated before that we would never be able to do, we've been able to do. Um, and we, we, we prove ourselves wrong constantly. So if there is, if there is, um, one thing that I think we can say conclusively is that we we definitely don't don't have all the answers yet, nor do we understand uh, physics and nature yet um, as much as we we like to think we do. I, I agree with that. Um, our lines are stacked. Our lines are full. So we're going to start out with uh, Garcia, Los Angeles. Welcome to the show, Garcia. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to the show. You're live. Hey guys, how are you? Uh, hi, Luis. Uh, Pleasure to be on, on uh, with you guys. Um, I got a really quick question. So uh, I don't want to be speculative, and I don't want anybody to uh, think that I'm being speculative either. But do we, uh, Luis? Do we know whether uh, these uh, phenomenon are from different sources, or have we identified one source? 
what I'm what I mean is, um, you know, are they coming from different places, or are they just uh, we know they come from one place? Good question. So first, Gar- Garcia, thank you very much for tuning in. Con mucho gusto, and thank you. Uh, no, no te preocupes, con mucho gusto. Um, I think uh, you know I. I think it's too early to tell. I think there's a lot of speculation in that regard. Uh, we are um, we are very cautious not to to jump to any conclusions. Um, we have not begun yet to ascertain the sources of these things. Again, our focus was very simple: what is it and how does it work? Uh, and um, we we really don't know. And and again, the possibilities are really endless. Uh, you know, we tend to think and think in terms of binary. So, you know, if it's either from Earth or it's from outer space. And what we're realizing is that's false logic. That that may not even be the case at all. Um, there's all sorts of possibilities in between uh, where these things could be coming from uh, and where they are from. And may not just be one. It might be several different types. Or it could be these vehicles are from a single source, but are used for a different utility or used for different purposes. Think of a uh, think of a sports car versus a, a tractor trailer truck versus an aircraft carrier. And uh, it, it could be a simple uh, principle of, of design and function. So to, to try to answer your question as, as best I can, um, it's It's not an easy answer, and I don't think we have an answer yet. I think there's a lot of people who speculate that we do, but from 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 what I've seen, we really don't know the origin yet. Um, And so, everything's all options are on the table until until they're no longer on the table. That's a great question. Um, Thank thank you for that. I appreciate that. All right, Garcia. It's a pleasure. Yeah. there, the other term I've heard of Jacques Vallée say is they could be a number of different things all at the same time, which is uh, or beyond our understanding, even if we, we were told what they were, which I think is interesting. And, uh, um, you know, what is the right question to ask and all that? <laughs> we don't even know the right question. Um, so we have Rob from Sarasota, Florida. Welcome to the show, Rob. Uh, Martin, good evening, and thank you so much for the opportunity. And Mr. Elizondo, it's uh, great to speak to you. Uh, go Rams, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Riverview. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Uh, one factor I want to bring to your attention, you know, I, uh, the, the Nimitz Tic Tac event out there, in my research, I found something that might be a factor of why those those craft were out in that area. Have you ever heard of uh, Naval Operation Wigwam? Operation Wigwam. You know, I'm not familiar with Wigwam. Was that a uh, is that an electronic warfare uh, scenario uh, that that's run out there in the training area? I'm not familiar with Wigwam. Roger, no, it's not. Uh, they detonated a 30 kiloton uh, nuclear weapon 2,000 feet below the surface, 400 miles southwest of San Diego. Now, the Tic Tac was about 100 miles southwest. Of San mm-hmm. Diego. So as quickly as these craft move, they were in that vicinity. And we know how these craft have had such an interest in our nuclear activities. They may have been very curious as to why they're detecting underwater radiation from because there's radiated objects are on the bottom barges. Yeah, that's fascinating. Can you tell me again one more time the yield of that of the kiloton yield that was part of Wigwam? Thirty three zero. 
30 kilotons. So that's roughly uh, four times larger than what we had on uh, Hiroshima, which was a 13 kiloton. So that's pretty sizable. Do you know that, again, I'm going to ask you a dumb question here. Was it, was, do you know the approximate depth that that was uh, detonated? Yes, 2,000 feet. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's and, definitely and up in the Pacific. A lot of, yep, a lot of good videos. They declassified a lot of the uh, the film from that period of time. It, it's fascinating. And I'll send some information to Martin that he can forward to you. But, you know, when I, I saw the wigwam, I, I actually ran into a veteran who was out there in a ship. Wow. And he told me about it. And, and then when I saw the Tic Tac, I said, they're right out in that vicinity. because Yeah, you know, you know Rob, that's a really... Miles. Rob, that's a really interesting point. One of the, 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 I think one of the conclusions that we can say uh, uh, almost, almost definitively is that there does appear to be some sort of nuclear connection. And if you look at the Nimitz uh, carrier strike group, you're looking at a, at a potential nuclear footprint that is, that is very considerable. You're looking at a, first of all, you're looking at nuclear powered aircraft. Uh, you're looking at yeah. uh, potentially some nuclear powered uh, vessels that are also uh, supporting and escorting the uh, the aircraft carrier. You're looking at nuclear capable submarines uh, that are not just nuclear power, but in some cases may have uh, uh, nuclear weapons on board. And so when you look at that in total, you you know, you that's a pretty significant nuclear footprint, all concentrated yeah. in a very small, tight geographic area. And it's something that we have uh, we have considered um, before, and we continue to see that pattern over and over again. But as far as Operation Wigwam, I wasn't familiar. Was that back in the 1950s? Yes, it was actually almost 66 years to the day, May 14th, 1955. That makes sense. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you always learn something new. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, whatever information you're willing to send, uh, would be be most appreciated. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that too. That's uh, that's really neat. Thank you for sharing. That's 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 fascinating. Yeah, you bet. Just very quickly, you know, this may you know this may be a clue to the vulnerability of these the, these unknowns. Is that you know if, if they're running along with some kind of an anti gravity or gravitational assist or control, you know, a a nuclear generated electromagnetic pulse may interrupt their control and thrust. And you can imagine if you're going along in a bubble of your own gravity and something interrupts it, you could end up like a bug on a windshield. Certainly, certainly what is being looked at right now. Um, I'll I'll be careful not to pontificate too much, but uh, there is definitely some, some speculation that um, any, any, if, if that is what is being used, that perhaps, uh, an EMP may be able to interfere with that uh, with that technology. Um, that's something that I has think been- it's their Achilles heel. And yeah. and just quickly, I'll close because you know Commander Fravor said as soon as they painted that object, the Tic Tac, with his radar, it started jamming their radar. He said in every way you can. And then Kevin Day said at one time it was raining UFOs, which is classic radar jamming. So they are very, very concerned when they get painted with radar because they know we've got nuclear devices. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. interesting. And uh, Rob, thank you for sharing again. That was uh, you bet. You bet. Uh, very you. insightful. Thank you for your service. Yeah, oh, Rob. No worries. Thanks thank you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, that was it. We're getting some good questions. And uh, again, the lines are all the way full. We have Drew uh, from Texas next. A welcome to the show, Drew. Uh, 
Hi there. Hey, Lou. Uh, thanks for everything you're doing. And, and Martin, uh, uh, great job on the show. Thanks. Thanks for calling in, Drew. Yeah, I just had an easy question for Lou. I was just curious. Uh, I've, I've noticed that uh, you've had a, quite a bit of an uptick lately in interviews, and I was curious what that was about. Well, it's I'm not filming for TV shows, and I have more time to commit to to the public. But look, there's there's I've always talked about the five pillars of our uh, of our emphasis, and the first is our legislative engagement. The second is our uh, executive level engagement, working with the government. The the, the third is uh, engaging our, our foreign counterparts and allies and friends, international engagement. Uh, the fourth pillar is engaging the media, and the fifth is public engagement, but it is actually public engagement that may be the most important of all, because let's face it, uh, elected officials, the legislators uh, will respond to the American people. Um, the executive branch will respond to complaints by the American people. Uh, the media will respond to um, viewers uh, by the American people, right? Audience ship and, and uh, look, watch eyeballs on TV sets, uh, looking at the news. And last but not least, uh, the American people, uh, at least from this perspective, uh, are really probably the most fundamentally important because really this conversation belongs belongs to you. Um, and from 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 my perspective, this is fundamentally probably the most important way to to for disclosure to happen. Um, it, it's a very delicate dance and you can't get ahead of your headlights. You can't, you can't get the legislative branch so far ahead that the executive branch has no idea what's going on and vice versa. And the media has to be willing to, to talk about this and not feel that they're going to get pounded by viewers and saying, Oh, what the heck are you doing reporting on this nonsense? Uh, and, and you need the, 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 the public to say it's okay for all of them to, to look at this. And so, I think this is why it's so vital. This is why you see an uptick, uh, and by the way, good observation, um, because it's necessary, because the other efforts of emphasis won't happen unless the American people say it's okay for it to happen. And so this is why this is why having Martin and, and folks like you have this conversation collectively, this is where, where, where the work gets done. This is where, where real meaningful conversation happens, in my opinion. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, one more question that, that ties into that. Uh, so I've watched most of your interview, interviews and listened to them. Uh, you said in one of your recent interviews to pay close attention in the month of May. And I was just curious if your uh, uptick in interviews was uh, related to that, or is it because of the, the June release that the government's going to release the report? Just your comment on that. Uh, I, I think you're going to see an elevation and an escalation of mainstream reporting on this topic. Um, outlets that have typically or historically stayed away from this topic are beginning to, to um, have this discussion with their audience and their viewers. And that's, a, that's an indicator. That's an indicator that the tide is changing, that, that it, is, it is becoming easier to have this conversation. You have now senior academics and senior scientists coming out of the shadows and saying, you know what? Yeah, we should be studying this. We should be looking at this. I never wanted to say anything before, but but now I have the courage to say something. Uh, I think this I think this month is going to be pivotal for this conversation. 
Uh, I think it's going to become easier to to talk about uh, in the coming months, um, especially before the the report is due to Congress. Um, and uh, I, I think that's all I'll say <laughs> right now about it because I I have to be careful not to to, to let too much out, um, only because you know things things have to play out naturally, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to do anything to, to derail anything prematurely, but there's there's a lot happening behind the scenes. And if there's one thing people have noticed, it kind of like it's all carefully orchestrated. Well, it's it's it. I wouldn't say orchestrated. It's, it's certainly being coordinated uh, because, again, what we don't want to do is get to a point where uh, the legislative branch or the executive branch or international partners or anybody is is necessarily ahead of anybody else. This is a gradual conversation. We need to bring everybody up incrementally. Uh, to have this conversation. And so it is, uh, there is a, a good degree of synchronization that is, that is required. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a tough topic. It's, it's, we've, you know, we really haven't done this before like this. Uh, we've, we've done it before in other ways and arguably may not have been quite as successful, but I, I think, um, you know, I, I think, I think we need to, to to continue doing what we're doing in the way we're doing it. it. It seems to be it seems to be working. It seems to be effective. We want to make sure that we get as many callers in as we can. So I dropped the number um, up on the board, and we have five stacked up waiting. So we're going to try to get through. But I just wanted to say that um, if you wanted to pass information along to me, I'm going to put um, up. Um, you'll see this in the chat is the um, email address for myself. Martin at podcastufo.com. And uh, Luis Elizondo, I'm going to spell that is L U I S E E L Z I Z O N D O hyphen official.com. That is, uh, that's Lou's uh, website. So you're welcome to use that. We have Joe uh, on the line from Michigan. Welcome to the show, Joe. Yes. Hi, Martin. Hi, uh, Lou, I have a question. I have a question for you, Lou. Um, I've been studying this topic for close to six decades. And the one incident wow. that really moved me more than anything else um, is an aerial school encounter. And mm -hmm. I'd like to hear what you have to uh, say about that, Lou, if you would, please. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's something I think James Fox did a really fine job uh, presenting the facts involving the aerial school. Uh, what most people may not know is that there was a uranium mine nearby. Uh, hmm coincidence wow I, I don't know uh but you know for every one of those uh, incidents that have been reported there are some equally compelling incidents that remain below the radar uh, that have occurred but nobody's really wanted to talk about and i think as we continue to have this conversation more of these incidents are going to be become publicized and and, and well known um, i think what makes this this incident so interesting is that you have uh, a lot of eyewitnesses um and, and just like the scene of an accident, the more eyewitnesses you have, the, the better it is to figure out what, what happened. How, how was the accident caused? And you also had kids um, who don't really have the sophistication to, to you know, when you, when you are doing an investigation, uh, kids can tell you stories. But for all the kids to have a consistent story, uh, even when you separate them uh, by space and time, um, and they still remain consistent with each other, and they're not talking to each other, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty compelling. You now you're, now you're talking about something that, that was experienced by multiple people that, that was perceived as being actually a real event. 
And because of that, we have to take it very, very seriously. Um, you know, again, kids are people and, and they're prone to fabricate. Uh, that's, that's, you know, normal kids tell fibs sometimes. Uh, but all the kids don't tell the same fib. Uh, that's, that's, that's very unusual. And that's why I think it's so compelling. You also had adults and, and teachers uh, that were also privy to to this incident. So I, I you know, I, I do think it's significant. Um, it is a, it, it's an incident that did not involve the U.S. military. So uh, we in ATIP didn't really look at it as comprehensively per se as, as uh, other things we were dealing with. Uh, but it is certainly very, very interesting. Yes, thank you very much for that. And I, I do agree with you, Joe. And also uh, Randall Nickerson's film, The Aerial Phenomenon, should be coming out. I keep trying to reach out to him to try to figure out when that date, but when it comes out, it's going to be fantastic. I will tell you that. Uh, Julie is next from Alabama. Welcome to the show, Julie. Hi. Hello. How are you, Martin? I'm doing well. Thank you for calling in. You have a question for our guest? I do. Lou, this is Jules of the Wood from UFO Twitter, first off. And I'm wondering... What kind of data might NOAA have, considering their uh, broad collection abilities, and are they foyable? Yeah, NOAA is, 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 is intriguing. That's exactly what, what we're trying to do in creating a construct where we bring everybody under the tent. You know, NOAA has some of the most sophisticated Doppler weather radar available. Uh, they are, they, it is extremely precise and it's, and it's very pervasive, uh, across the country. Um, you know, they have a, a very good comprehensive integrated network of, of radar capability. Um, and, and NOAA has capabilities, everything from space-based platforms all the way to ground space platforms to, to, uh, water-based platforms. So, they, they really do have a, an incredible array or, or, if you will, suite of technology that, that can be applied towards this topic. And that is absolutely one of the areas that we're trying to, to, to engage is getting NOAA and others, um, FAA as well, uh, under, under, the, under the tent um, in, this, in this greater construct. So I, I've made no secret that I, I, don't, I don't agree with, a, with the permanent solution being a task force. Um, I think we need a more enduring capability, long-term capability to look at this topic, and it needs to include more than just DOD and intelligence equities. Uh, it needs to be a whole-of-government approach. I would include the National Science Foundation. I would include NOAA and FAA and Department of Energy and everybody, everybody that we can we can put under there, uh, even OSHA. Uh, so I would. I, there's a lot of lot of folks there that I think that could be could be part of that um, effort, and uh, those efforts, you know. I think the the more eyes you have looking at a problem, the the more likely you are to to find some solutions, Jules, in um, in that data. I'm trying to move everyone along. Thank you very much uh, for the question. Uh, I really appreciate it, Julie. We have Joni from Pennsylvania on the line. Welcome to the show, yeah. Joni. Hi. Hi. Yeah, there. I have a question. Uh, what do you think about the 1965 Kettsburg incident? Well, I'm going to say something that is probably going to offend you, ma'am, but I, I'm not familiar with that incident. Now, I may be familiar anecdotally with it, but I, I'm not I'm not at all familiar with the details of it. I certainly wouldn't want to speak about something that I that I, I have no idea about. Uh, I, I'm not 
I wouldn't even know where to begin. I'm not qualified. Uh, do you want to be more specific? Perhaps maybe I can, maybe I can address something specific uh, yeah. regarding that. It's, it's complicated. Um, I think we're going to have to move yeah. on. I'm sorry. We're just going to have to move on just because we're, we're really running short on, on time and he's not familiar with it, but I do appreciate the call. I'm sorry, but we're going to move on to uh, the next one, which is John in Los Angeles. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Martin. And uh, thank you for having uh, Mr. Elizondo on. I just wanted to thank, uh, thank you, Lou, for your hard work in this field. I've been following this field since the 60s. And uh, it's so refreshing to see somebody with your motivation, skills, intelligence, and, and also with your with your partner, Chris Mellon, uh, fight to have this uh, issue. Come John, up. I hate to argue with you, but if you were to ask my wife and kids, it would probably argue about my intelligence and my, <laughs> my level of skill in this. But I do appreciate the compliment. Thank you, even though it's undeserving. But thank you for the compliment. No, well, no, seriously. But thanks to you, my wife doesn't look at me like I'm crazy when I say these things are real flying around our, our uh, uh, Navy uh, jets and everything. But uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, and if you can't say, I understand, but, um, it, you know, the Navy's been pretty forthright in, in coming forward with videos and, and pilot testimony. And I always wonder why the Air Force is so silent on this issue. I, I You've probably, probably been asked this before, but it seems like the Air Force is pretty quiet about everything that's going on out there. And they're, they're in charge of our skies and our national security. Do you have any, you know, opinion or that you can share without, you know, obviously breaking your NDA? Yeah. I mean, the air force is a fantastic service. Uh, they do an incredible job protecting and guarding our skies. Let's not forget though, that they were in charge of project blue book. Uh, and there was a lot of pressure there to, to, to close that effort out. Uh, and and to move on, you know, nothing to see here, folks. And I'm not even sure that came from Air Force brass. I think that probably came from from much higher up. There was probably a lot of political pressure to to uh, to, to close out close out that effort. And in doing so, when you make a public statement that says, "Hey, these things aren't aren't a concern. Uh, they're not really a, a real issue." It's hard to go back on that statement like that and come back and say, eh, "Actually, we were wrong." Uh, now I will tell you that that you know this is not your father's Oldsmobile today. Today's Air Force is not yesterday's Air Force. Uh, they are highly competent, and they've always been competent, but they they are true true experts and professionals. And I've had the honor and privilege to work with them, many of them side by side, both in operations and, and investigations. Uh, and I think there is a recognition that this is an important topic and issue. Um, the problem is right now is that the, well, it's not a problem. The, the, the the fact is that the Navy is, is in charge of this, is, is running the task force right now. And, and this is, again, where Chris Mellon and I believe that this task force shouldn't be under a, a Navy construct. They're very competent. They're very good. But this isn't necessarily only a Navy issue. Um, and, and this is why we think there needs to be a more enduring construct that includes the whole of government. Uh, to, to participate. And yes, that includes Air Force. And yes, that includes Space Force. And yes, that includes Coast Guard and Navy and Army, because Army seeing these things as well. Uh, we know that for a fact, you know, so why aren't they a part of this? So I, I think right. I think you're going to see that shift beginning to occur. You're going to see a, 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 an evolution from being just a Navy centric task force to something maybe a little bit more comprehensive and robust. Okay. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate uh, your time, and thank you for uh, for 
yes, fighting sir. hard to do for for what you're doing. Thanks. Well, I, I I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for the call very much. So I'm not going to take any more calls, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, Joe, we couldn't take your call, but we're right uh, right at the end of the show. So I guess I want to ask you one last question. What is the the strongest message that you would like to get out to people that are watching the show? Wow, Martin. Uh, and you only well, have wish, one minute. <laughs> yeah, I wish I prepared uh, for that. Um, have the courage to ask the questions. Be fearless mm -hmm. in asking the questions in the pursuit of the truth. Don't let anybody tell you that the questions you're asking are dumb or stupid or irrelevant. You have the courage and the commitment to ask those questions. Um, have the courage to, to put your government uh, uh, on the spot. Have the courage to put me on the spot. Have the courage to, to ask the hard questions uh, to anybody who says they're committed to this effort. Uh, be mindful of, of those, uh, of those uh, individuals that are, are charlatans or selling you a narrative. Um, they probably don't have your best interests at heart. Uh, and you know what? Have have the courage to to think for yourself and have your own opinions. Uh, it's okay. Uh, it's it because none of us have yet all the answers. This is exactly why we're having this conversation. So, with that, uh, I guess my my final recommendation would be just overall have have the courage to pursue this topic in in any way you think you need to pursue it. Excellent. Um, I thank you for all you do uh, for your service and everything you've done for the UFO community. You've helped us move forward, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us the time tonight. Martin, my honor and privilege. Thank you to you and your audience. It's really been a pleasure of mine. Thank you so much. Excellent. All right. You take care. Yes, sir. Take we'll care. talk muskets again sometime. <laughs> Anytime. All right. You got take it. Care. Yeah. All right, everyone. So that's it for the show this evening. Thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, next week, we have Damian Knott on. Um, on our regular scheduled show. So again, I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in, watching on YouTube and whichever way you watch. And remember everyone to keep your eyes to the sky. Mm -hmm.